Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I'm excited you joined us today. We have a lot going on in the world, as you well know. I'm glad that you tuned in today. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I am glad you joined me, family, friends. It's good to have you. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're surviving and thriving in this world. A lot going on in the church and different news there. There's some stuff going on with history. Um, And as you know, I'm, I'm pouring through church. I'm pouring through history, just trying to figure out what is going on and how, as the church, we can interact with the public, with the public square, as we talked last time. We really um, have an obligation, a responsibility as the church to be with the world, to be in it but not of it, but to help this world understand the truth of Jesus, the truth of spirituality, the truth of what it means to follow after God, and that is not just an hour on Sunday at a church, it's not just... Um, in these limited engagements, it's in your whole life. It's in everything that you do. So with that in mind, we're just trying to figure out what is going on in the world and how we engage with it. A couple of news stories, a couple of things going on. Um, here's a here's an interesting and, and kind of weird one that I'm still trying to figure out uh, because I don't think all uh, the information is out. The Navy is going through what they call a religious ministry national realignment. Um, that's a lot of words. I don't know exactly what that means to them. Um, but uh, as far as a couple stories, they uh, just in San Diego, the Navy has canceled contracts of the some of the Catholic priests. Um, they cite uh, financial problems, and uh, you know that may be the case. Um, but the uh, the San Diego Navy uh, has canceled Catholic masses, but other religious services are still going on. Um, I'm not a Catholic. It, it doesn't have that much pertinence directly to me, but in terms of the church, in terms of um, connection to God, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it's significant, and I think it's something to watch. Um, there, as far as I can tell, there is a, a large percentage of people in the Navy that are Catholic. Um, so to remove one of the largest uh, functions, the largest services for them, for this group of people, um, seems like a strange thing. Um, is that there's not enough Catholic um, priests, or not enough Catholic chaplains in the military, and so what they've been doing is contracting out to other Catholic priests in the area and, and bringing them on base and things like that, um, and so those contracts with those priests have been canceled. Um, it just it just seems strange um, that, that they would cancel that, um, and again, I'm not a Catholic. It doesn't uh, particularly impact me personally, but I, I, I you know that if you're in the military, that there are things that you know and ways that you live that other people who are not in the military just don't quite understand. And so to have a community, a community of faith that you can connect not only on a spiritual level, but also on a personal level, um, which is admittedly different than regular 
uh, industry, bankers and lawyers and things like that. I mean, like teachers, it's different when you're in the military. And, and um, so to have that community and then to have that community be taken away just seems like a weird thing. And, and the, the um, thing that the Navy said is just, hey, you can go off, off base and find another community. But uh, as I have lots of friends in the military, I mean, you never know when you're going to be where. You never know if you're going to have to go onto a deployment. Sometimes schedules are all funky. Like to be able to get to um, uh, for a Catholic mass um, at the right time and to develop that relationship, uh, I think, can be tricky. And then, um, you know, it's 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 just an interesting thing. My wondering, and I have no evidence of this, but my wondering when they say something like they're going through the religious ministry national realignment, did they just start with Catholic? And are we going to continue on through other faith uh, denominations? Um, I don't know. We're just going to have to see. It's, it's, something, it's something to watch. Um, I, I think it's, it's just an interesting, an interesting step. And uh, as far as church and state, I don't know if the argument is we're separating church and state, but as we've talked on some of the other episodes and as we've looked at, um, and, and we'll look at more in the coming weeks, the, the definition and separation of church and state is, is not as clear um, as some would like to claim. And really, again, as we looked at First Amendment last time, the First Amendment says your right to practice your religion, your your free expression of faith. Um, and obviously, if you're in the military, you're confined to a base at certain times, you're confined to certain areas at certain times. And so uh, to be able to express your religion in a certain way requires that your religion is, is evident to you. Now, again, I mean, the case could be made that you don't need to go to a church all the time. You don't, you can have a personal faith with, with Jesus. Of course, that's all true. But to say you can't go and practice at certain times is troubling. And in fact, that's what we've been dealing with um, in California and a bunch of other states as well, that there are many um, counties in California, there are many other states where you still cannot freely go to church. Um, and that leads into more stories. I mean, there's just there's a lot of different places um, there are some counties that are relaxing now, and there are some counties, there's a whole Candyland scheme that the governor has, has come up with as far as which color you're in, and then as based on which color of danger zone you're in, then you have certain activities that are allowed and certain activities that aren't allowed, and if it sounds confusing, it's because it is, it's really confusing. Um, some counties are now allowed to meet in person, inside, with restrictions, um, but there are a lot in California that still are not allowed to meet in person, inside, um, regardless of restrictions. They're just not allowed to meet. And it's, it's just another of those things that, um, in terms of a religious liberty in America, in terms of personal responsibility, and, and we've been talking about personal responsibility, we'll continue talking about it, but part of that just says, if I feel that I can assume the risk of doing something, an activity, then I'm going to choose to do that, weighing the risks, uh, positive um, and negative. And that personal assessment has been taken away. Now, at the beginning of this, in March, when we thought, um, and, and again, the numbers back then were that 2.2, somewhere in the, around there, 
million people in America alone were going to die um, because of this and because of because of the the virus and because of some of the things. Um, that's that's a really scary number. We are not close to that, and um, you know, even in the CDC, this past week or so has suggested that only six percent of people um, that have contracted the virus died from just the virus. 94% of people have had some other condition. Um, and you can go look at that on the website. Those are statistics that are on the CDC website. Look under comorbidities and you'll, you'll see the charts that they've put up there. Um, and it's just, it's an interesting uh, change to some of the information that's out there as far as um, what is available. So can you go to church and what is it going to take to be able to open up some of the churches and some of the other institutions, some other, other places? I mean, some counties uh, across California and other parts of uh, America, especially New York, has said that they're going to be closing restaurants indefinitely, probably through at least 2021. Um, so what are going to be the markers to be able to open some things up? And, and we're not talking about nothing here. We're talking about the livelihood of people that own businesses, own restaurants, um, gyms, salons, things like that, that have been closed for months. And um, it's really difficult to, again, have personal responsibility, balance these things, what is going to be appropriate to do and what's not appropriate to do. But at some level, personally, each and every one of us has to realize what we believe is a safe environment for us and what is not. Um, but the opposite has been true in this lockdown where we're not able to go out and we're not able to make those choices. Um, and I just want to point to a couple other things that make it hard to understand some of what, what has been going on. So for instance, um, uh, there was the uh, Speaker of the House in, uh, I believe, San Francisco. Um, we have all these crazy lockdown, rule, lockdown rules, but apparently they're only for some people. So the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, um, went to a hair salon. And uh, personally, I don't care if she goes to the hair salon. Like, people should get their hair done. Fine, great. Um, but the only problem is every other salon in that town is closed by government mandate and has been for months. But apparently she was able to go and bend the rules a little bit. Um, and um, when she issued a statement about it, she just said that she was trapped and that it was a setup, um, which is an interesting, an interesting statement. Um, it's hard to understand how you can be, you can schedule your hair appointment and then uh, realize that you are part of the government that has locked things down. But anyway, you you figure your own conclusion out there. The bigger point is, hey, can I go and do that? Or, or are you the only one that's allowed to do that? And how do we work that out? And then you have another example. There's some small gym owners, also San Francisco, and these gym owners have been closed for months. And, and so they offered the opportunity for some first responders uh, and some government workers uh, to come and work out. They had worked out some, some things as far as when the gyms were able to open and um, some outdoor 
uh, outdoor equivalents that they were able to do. And they found out that, no, no, some of these government workers have been able to work out for months now because indoors in the government buildings, their gyms were open, which again is curious. Okay, how come certain people get to go and do activities like working out, like going to the salon, getting your hair done? And for others, it is not only illegal, I guess, but crazy dangerous. Like if you go and get your hair done, you're risking life and death or life and death of someone. Or if you go and work out, you're risking the life and death of someone. So it brings into question, well, which is it? Is it you as an elected official, as a government official, as a celebrity? Um, again, we saw the, the, the VMAs a couple of weeks ago that New York had waived the 14 or 10 day quarantine period for the virus for these celebrities because celebrities are immune. I don't know. I, it, it, the, the rules don't seem to make sense or at the very least are not applied across the board. And that's a dangerous precedent to set. Uh, it's this rules for thee, but not for me. So is it that the virus is so incredibly dangerous that we cannot go to the gym or the salon or eat indoors or is it something we all can manage with our own personal responsibility? And many people don't even realize they're sick when they have it. Um, is it a deadly killer or is it more like the flu? And the problem is these experts have said things that are at best contradictory and at worst misleading. Um, it's really hard to understand. It's really hard to move forward and figure out how we are to live in this society. Um, and even a, a couple episodes again, like safety just can't be the goal. If our goal is safety, then the only thing we can do is lock ourselves away from every other human until we move on to the next life. But if freedom is the goal, if living our life is the goal, if we take seriously this thing that Jesus said, I want you to have life and have it abundantly, what does that mean? Um, how do we balance that? And obviously, I'm not saying be reckless. Like, that's not living an abundant life either. But if we've moved into being a responsible person, being an adult, being um, a contributing member of the society, you should be able to have a little bit of your own recognizance to look at yourself. Hey, am I sick? If the answer is no, um, just like every other flu for all of time, then you go to work and you go do things. And if you don't feel good, I mean, you probably have worked in an in a employer that gave you sick days. What do you do with the sick days? When you feel sick, you don't go. That's what they're for. That's how we've treated every other thing forever. And then now all of a sudden, if you aren't sick, perhaps you're a super spreader or typhoid Mary or whatever. And by all accounts, by all things uh, that we've seen from the science experts, it doesn't appear that's the thing. Um, and again, for the vast majority of people that are, that are under 80, um, many don't even know they have this particular virus, but I don't want to get too lost into this virus talk because I know that's very inflammatory and you can think whatever you want. You can send me some messages or comments. That's fine. But uh, my point is this double standard is, is very dangerous. This double standard is important to watch out for because this society, as it was built, 
as it is protected by the Constitution, the amendments, and other laws surrounding it, is supposed to give equal treatment regardless of who you are, regardless of your class, your economic class, your social status, regardless of race. Like We're supposed to have equal justice under the law, and if certain people can bend these rules based on their social status or class or wealth, um, that's a very dangerous place to be. And if there are places in this world that are lopsided, we have the ability through laws to change those things. And we've been doing that for the past couple of hundred years through amendments and through laws. And um, But now it appears that we're beginning to throw some of those things out the window and allow people to act in special behaviors. Um, again, a very dangerous thing because who gets to decide which behavior you get to do? If it's not written in the law and we're not applying the law equally then is it because you have more money or is it because you have more power? Um, and as we've seen, again, student of history and looking at different historical uh, regimes and historical um, hierarchies, like that doesn't end well. When you give power to someone and then make rules based on the power, you end up with tyranny, you end up with um, incredible levels of of injustice all over the place and and while there are a lot of problems in america we also have been working for hundreds of years to try to uh, minimize some of that injustice through legislation and when it does come up we try to address it um so this is a very very dangerous and, and scary place to be if if we're giving people the ability to skirt around some of these laws. So what are we going to do? If you're a regular person, um, and what do you do if your business is closed? And what if you do if you can't work? And what if you do if you can't go to church? And we have to, we have to find ways to, to move through this, and we have to begin to dialogue about this. I think one big, really important thing that we can do uh, if you are a believer, especially, but even if you're not, um, if you just believe in there being truth and you believe that there is a better way and you believe that applying the law evenly to people is important, you can begin to speak up about that. Words are powerful and they can change the world. We've been seeing um, some of this, uh, but uh, at the moment, a lot of it is going in one direction. A lot of it is 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 going in the direction of, of certain thoughts. And, and really what we need and, and why there is an amendment to protect speech is because we have to have these dialogues because not any one person really has it figured out. And we have to wrestle through both the truth and the application of the truth. And how do we do that? And we have to have conversations and we have to have conversations where the end of the conversation isn't well, you are wrong because you're bad. We have to have conversations that are, here's my idea and here's your idea and how do we either come to a compromise or how do you inform my idea or how do I inform your idea? How do we walk through these actual dialogues and, and have these moments? Um, and I don't know if that's on social media. I don't know if social media can change this um, because it is such a, a place full of venom and, and just this mob mentality where... 
the loudest voice gets the last word and that's obviously not a great place to be. And so maybe these conversations are one-on-one. Maybe they're conversations with you and your family or you and your friends or maybe you and your coworkers if you feel comfortable. But we have to start saying things. We have to start saying the right things and we have to start helping people understand uh, that having these conversations, engaging with one another is really, really important. Um, Jesus, uh, as the Apostle John reminds us, is the very word of God in flesh. Words matter, and Jesus shows us the importance of speaking words, speaking truth. Jesus is full of truth and full of grace. It's not um, 50% truth and 50% grace. It's 100% truth and 100% grace. So you can't say true things just to say true things and hurt all the people around you. That's obviously not a great plan, and it doesn't work out well because you alienate people, you judge people, you hurt people, so you have to have grace. But we also can't have 100% grace because then you just let people walk all over you or let them do whatever they want to do or, as we've heard, follow their heart or uh, live their truth. So if it's just grace and no truth, we can't live that because that is just no good for anybody. And we all just start crashing into each other with our different random and weird ideas. We have to have all the truth and we have to have all the grace. And I know that's impossible for us as humans, but we have to try. And the good news is if you're a believer, you have the spirit of God. You have the spirit of God in you that can help you with both of these things to be graceful loving others, as Jesus has said, and to be truthful, showing people the way. Jesus said, I am the way. And and Jesus said, I am the truth. And we can show them these things and point them in the right direction. Um, will people not like you for this? Yeah, probably. Um, you will receive backlash. Um, and that's, that's part of it. I, th- I think part of the church uh, maybe the, the lowercase c church's problem over the past several decades has been we've given people the impression that if you attend the church, if you become a part of the church, if you become a Christian, if you become a follower, that everything will go well for you, that there will be no problems and your life will be unicorns and rainbows. And that's actually not what Jesus said. If we look at what Jesus said, he said, people are going to hate you. Families are going to be against each other. Friends are going to be against each other. Um, It's not going to be a yellow brick road for you. But this road is a good road. And um, I was just reading the other day with, with my kids and reading about the narrow gate and the wide gate. And um, even my kids understand that it's easy to go through the wide path and through the wide gate. It's easy. It's harder to do the right things. It's harder to say the right things. It's harder to um, live in the right way. But it is better and if you believe in God and, and believe in his, his word um, and the, the power that he uh, gives you over death into eternity, the harder way is a better way because it gives you a future with God. And that's important. And, and that should fill us with hope. It should fill us with joy. It should allow us this new perspective that even if people don't like us now, that's a very small price to pay to help people understand that there is an eternity, and through Jesus, we can have this eternity with God um, in a place where there is no more sorrow, no more tears, no more fear, and a place uh, full of love and joy forever. Um, 
that's that's what I hope for you. I hope that you're making choices uh, to get you through uh, and and allow you to influence those uh, those around you, your your family, your friends, anybody God brings along your path. I, I pray that you would really engage people um, that God has has placed into your life. Jesus has empowered you, the church, the body of Christ, to be the truth and the hope and the light to the world. So what are you going to do today to share that truth, to share that light of Christ with those around you? Thanks for listening, and as always, God bless and keep the faith. Thanks for joining us today at Church Public. Please subscribe and rate. It really does help. If you like what you hear and you want to support, go to churchpublic.com for some of the options there. God bless, and we'll be talking soon.